Welcome to Abide in Liberty, a podcast empowering patriots everywhere to re-enthrone faith, family, and freedom as the bedrock pillars of liberty in education, our communities, and our nation. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of Abide in Liberty. I came across a scripture this week. This is from Alma chapter 5, verse 16. This kind of forms the kickoff point for everything I want to talk about today. It says, The good shepherd doth call after you, and if you will hearken unto his voice, he will bring you into his fold, and ye are his sheep. And he commandeth you that ye suffer no ravenous wolf to enter among you, that ye may not be destroyed. Now, when I read this, there was kind of another scripture that came to mind that I wanted, that I felt like kind of helps answer the question, what are those ravening wolves that we need to be careful uh, to make sure don't sneak into our lives and into our families? Paul gave his famous admonition when he said that if there's anything virtuous, lovely, or of good report or praiseworthy, those are the things that we should be seeking after. So when you kind of put these two scriptures together, anything that isn't virtuous, anything that isn't lovely, anything that isn't of good report or praiseworthy would qualify as a ravenous wolf, uh, um, something that is in our lives, a splinter in our souls that is there to canker and destroy. It's not there to uplift and exalt. So when I started thinking about things that would um, fall under that category of ravenous wolves, uh, you know, as an educator, one of the very first things that, you know, obviously pops into my head is schools. Back in the 60s, we kicked the good shepherd out of that fold and we left our precious lambs to other influences. Now, when I talk about these ravenous wolves that have replaced the good shepherd, am I talking about all the teachers that are out there? No. No. Are there some uh, teachers out there that are working for uh, influences and causes that aren't just, that aren't righteous? Sure. That doesn't mean that everybody falls into that category. And there are many great teachers who have done their best to, um, to bring a good education within a system that has unmoored itself and has distanced itself and has kicked completely out the good shepherd. You know, another one of these ravenous wolves that has crept into our society is the one of contention. It's everywhere. And it's, uh, you know, if you want to get more likes and gain more traction on social media, then being nasty is kind of the way to go. Another is prosperity and materialism. We are so blessed in this country that we have in many ways become soft. Things are too easy. Another is the wolf of immorality. Now, this is one that is just devouring our culture and has been for decades. And the sister wolf of immorality would be addictive substances, drugs in particular. You know, when you combine those two things together, if you want to talk about what has destroyed homes, destroyed families, um, immorality and um and addictive su- substances would certainly have to be at the top of that list. How many broken homes have resulted from those couple of things? And when I talk about immorality, I'm not just talking about physical and acting out immorality, but um, you know, things like pornography, things like um, allowing our minds to go places that they shouldn't. Christ talked about this. It's not enough just not to commit adultery. 
but we have to be faithful and pure in our thoughts as well as in our actions. You know, when I think about where most of our media would fall against the standard of anything that's virtuous, lovely, or of good report or praiseworthy, there's not a whole lot that would qualify. If we, if we measure our media by that measuring stick, that's a pretty high bar to clear. And there's not a lot of media that's coming out today that clears it. You know, I, Paul didn't say, now this is kind of where I get in to trouble is because, you know, I, when I look at a media or a movie and I'm trying to decide, Hey, is this something I'm going to go see? I'm typically looking, you know, there's a couple websites where you can go find, um, you know, what kind of content is in a movie. And so if it doesn't have an F word and there's no, um, graphic immorality or nudity or an extreme or extreme violence, then I might say that that's, you know, maybe I'll go see that. Maybe it's okay. But Paul's admonition was not that we seek after anything that doesn't use the F word or anything that doesn't have graphic immorality and nudity or anything that doesn't have extreme violence. Those are the things we should be seeking after. It's a much higher bar than that. It's not enough just to avoid, just to avoid the really bad stuff. We need to be actively seeking out and promoting what is virtuous, lovely, or good report or praiseworthy, the things that build and edify and exalt. Um, and that's tough. A lot of our media doesn't, doesn't clear there. So we probably have every single one of us here that's listening. You know, if you were to think about what you have watched over the past month, how many of those would you feel comfortable watching with the Savior sitting right next to you? And if we are trying to be like him, and if we have made baptismal covenants to be like him and to do what he would do if he were in our place, to stand as witnesses of God at all times and in all things and in all places, if we wouldn't be comfortable watching that show or listening to that song or watching that movie or playing that game with Christ sitting right next to us, then is it worth our time? Now, I'm looking at myself when I say this. This is this is one of my big struggles. I don't watch anything that's really bad, but am I willing to give up some of those things to only make sure that I'm letting in the 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 outwardly and overtly virtuous, lovely, good report and praiseworthy things? And probably the biggest ravenous wolf that um that I've seen, I kind of hinted at it before when you talk about immorality and addictive substances is the attack on the family. I mean, that's really what many of these things are aiming at. If he can get, if, if the devil can get the good men of the world to zone out to TV and video games or to seek ease, if he can get uh, people hooked on, on immorality, on things that are not godly, if he can, you know, get us where the rising generation isn't being taught about God in the temples of learning. If he can make all these things happen, then he can undermine the family. That's really kind of what this all comes back to. And many of these attacks we invite into our homes. We pay subscriptions every month to for the for the privilege of having our families under attacked, our values undermined. And us as parents undermined in the eyes of our children. Um, when I think about Mother's Day and this time where we celebrate motherhood, as I was as I was preparing and kind of outlining this this podcast, my daughter was watching a show on BYU TV, which is normally considered pretty safe, where there were these teenage girls talking about um, 
their mothers. And one of the comments that one of the girls made was, oh, well, my mother always lies. Oh, yeah. And then the other girls chimed in. Yeah, my mom lies too. And you can't trust moms. You never know. They might be trying to hide something from you. And I'm not going to go into the plot of this show. It was a little silly. Um, But ultimately, I mean, this, so that's kind of, those conversations are happening and kind of seen as normal between these young people. But then this, this young person who's struggling with something that she thinks her mother's doing, uh, goes to a uh, a trusted confidant who's an adult and kind of brings this up to her. And that adult said, yeah, well, you know, moms aren't always right. So if you feel like you need to do something here, you should do it. Go for it. Follow your heart, right? I mean, that's kind of what we always say. Now, does that mean every mom's perfect? No. Does that mean that um, everything that we as parents do and say is right? No. But you know, we're, we tend to be right way more often than our 12 and 13 year olds are. We tend to see the world a little bit more clearly than they do. I remember talking to someone close to me one time who was struggling with their mom. I was a little bit older. He was a little bit younger. And I told him, look, your mom has four times the amount of life experience that you do. So if you go in to every decision, assuming, well, mom might be wrong. So I'm going to assume that she is, you are going to be wrong like 95% of the time. On the other hand, if you go into a situation and you assume that your parents know more than you do as a child, then you're going to be right 95% of the time. Yeah, might they be wrong sometimes? Yes, but your batting average will be better if you trust your parents. Now, again, that's not true for every parent. I get that. But you could see this message that's coming across through this quote-unquote clean BYU TV show where parents are kind of dumb. They don't really know what they're talking about. The kids are really the ones who know what's up and what's going on. And you see this everywhere. I mean, go back and think through some of your favorite Disney shows or movies. You know, you'd be hard pressed to find even one Disney movie that portrays a mom and a dad working together where mom and dad are both present no, I didn't die for some reason, or one ran off to train dragons, or whatever the case is. But where? Oh, sorry, that's that's not Disney. That's DreamWorks. My bad. But you know, hard pressed to find a, a a movie that depicts a good family where mom and dad are wise and are helping their children get through life struggles. You're just not really going to find it. You might you might get lucky with one, but it's it's a very low percentage. You know, some of the ones that I just picked out were Little Mermaid. You know, Ariel disobeys dad and everything works out great for her. If you look at the original story of Little Mermaid, it doesn't work out that way. It actually has a pretty sad ending because what was the lesson that they were trying to teach in that classic? That it's important to listen to your parents because they know what's best for you in many cases. Disney didn't like that message. They had to change it. Snow White, major parental issues there. Cinderella, same story. Lion King, there are two parents for part of it. Um, And they are positive role models. So that might be the exception, but dad's dead pretty quick and mom kind of ends up not being pretty helpless the rest of the time. So we're not really sure. That's not really a strong mother figure. Finding Nemo, mom dies at the beginning. Nemo is blatantly disobedient to his father, gets scooped up. And at the end of this, the dad is apologizing and realizing he needs to change? Excuse me, what? How about you cry and you hug that little fish and then you ground him for two months? 
Moana, dad's too stupid to see the problems, thing, the obvious problems of like palm trees rotting on his island and unwilling to do it. I mean, come on. Phineas and Ferb, I love this TV show, but mom is clueless, you know? Like, they, she has no idea what her kids are doing ever. I mean, the, the, and these aren't just like little things that the kids are getting away with. They're building rockets to the moon, right? Mom just doesn't know. Mom doesn't know. It's the sister that knows what's going on. But mom's just kind of clueless, going about her life, getting her nails done. And when she comes back, anyways, I, I could go on and on. I love the show. But again, what message are we teaching our kids? Yes, but it's about creativity and they're being creative. Yeah, and sneaking behind their parents' back. And um, and again, you've got a clueless mom. you got a clueless mom. Why can't mom be a positive influence in developing that creativity like most moms are? And I know uh, I'm going to step away from Disney now, but Ferris Bueller, um, you know, parents tricked by the stupid contraction that he builds that he's like got himself recorded snoring and it looks like he's asleep, really. How to Train Your Dragon. Mom and dad, they're there for two seconds in like the second movie, but dad was too dumb and pigheaded to be willing to change. And mom, you know, she left the family for her career to help pursue her dream of training dragons. Um, anyways, we, we could go on and on and on with this, but now I want to contrast that with a book that I read to some of my students three or four years ago. And this is why at Liberty Youth Academy classics are so important because these, these books and, and this entertainment was written in a time where people were actively trying to promote good Christian family building values. So in Little Men, um, you know, we got to a part where uh, there was, and I can't remember the exact details, but I remember the discussion that followed from it. It was a case where a younger sister and an older brother were working together, and this older brother was watching out for his little sister. And throughout this book, there are good family relationships, siblings helping each other out, siblings helping the parents out, siblings listening to the wisdom that their parents are trying to impart to them. And you have a strong mother and a strong father figure that are teaching good values, that are helping their children, that they have stewardship over to to navigate through the tough decisions and things in life. And I remember stopping to my class and asking them, you know, kind of a question like we were just talking about here. When was, to get, can somebody name one movie for me or one TV show that depicts positive family relationships like this? And any guesses how many we were able to come up with? Not a single one. Not a single one. When was the last, I'm going to ask you that question. When was the last time that you saw a movie or a TV show that promoted good family values, that showed sibling relationships as positive and enriching, that showed wise parents? And so at this Mother's Day season, I want to speak to anyone who's ever said, I'm just a stay-at-home mom or who living in this culture feels like your role isn't valuable that it's ridiculed, that it's laughed at, that it is seen as lesser than pursuing some career in corporate America. You know, first of all, don't forget that honoring motherhood is one of the big 10 commandments. This is important. And when we forget the role of mothers, our society is in big trouble. It was great mothers that 
developed and trained and taught the stripling warriors to do miraculous things when it came time for them to fight in the war that they fought. And they were miraculously preserved. Not a one of them died because of the faith that had been instilled by their mothers. It was a great mother who brought forth the Savior of the world, despite circumstances that from the outside seemed a little dubious. You've got a virgin who's bearing a child. This would have been something that would have made her not look very good and even put her at risk of stoning to death. But she was willing to submit. She was willing to exercise that faith and willing to raise the Savior of the world anyways. And let's not forget their great mother Eve who kicked off because of her decisions, kicked off humanity that that made the rest of us coming here for our time of testing and redemption possible. Jeffrey R. Holland shared this um, in a talk that he gave back in 1997. He said, one young mother wrote to me recently that her anxiety tended to come on three fronts. One was that whenever she heard talks on LDS motherhood, she worried because she felt she didn't measure up or somehow wasn't going to be equal to the task. Second, she felt like the world expected her to teach her children reading, writing, interior design, Latin, calculus, and the internet, all before the baby said something terribly ordinary like goo-goo. Thirdly, she often felt people were sometimes patronizing, almost always without meaning to be, because the advice she got or even the compliments she received seemed to reflect nothing of the mental investment the spiritual and emotional exertion, the long night, long day stretch to the limit demands that sometimes are required in trying to be and wanting to be the mother God hopes she will be. But one thing she said keeps her going. Through the thick and thin of this, and through the occasional tears of it all, I know deep down inside I am doing God's work. I know that in my motherhood, I am in an eternal partnership with Him. I am deeply moved that God finds his ultimate purpose and meaning in being a parent, even if some of his children make him weep. It is this realization, she says, that I try to recall on those inevitably difficult days when all of this can be a bit overwhelming. Maybe it is precisely our inability and anxiousness that urge us to reach out to him and enhance his ability to reach back to us. Maybe he secretly hopes we will be anxious, she said, and will plead for his help. Then I believe he can teach these children directly through us, but with no resistance offered. I like that idea, she concludes. It gives me hope. If I can be right before my Father in heaven, perhaps his guidance to our children can be unimpeded. Maybe then it can be his work and his glory in a very literal sense. Now in conclusion... Our world is a much more miserable place because we have allowed the role of mothers to be relegated to the punchline of a bad joke. Please make sure and take the time to honor your mothers and defend motherhood every chance that you get and fatherhood and familyhood and all those other things every chance you get. Mothers, you are doing God's work. And I pray that God blesses all of you mothers out there for your sacrifice and your service and for your willingness to fulfill your divine role. I can think of no better way to love your neighbor and love God. And I hope we can all take a look at the the influences that we're inviting into our home 
and remove those that undermine the great role of motherhood, the great role of families and of siblings, so that the one place where we can get the strength that we need against all the craziness that's out there, the the place that is supposed to be that daily safe refuge for all of God's children, the family, can actually be that. Thank you to all you mothers out there, and I hope that you had the Mother's Day that you deserve. Hope to see you back here next week. Thank you for listening to Abide in Liberty. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and share this with friends and family. In the meantime, keep up with the show online at AbideInLiberty.com. Also, if you'd like to help our K-12 bless and educate more families, contact us by visiting LibertyYouthAcademy.org. Until next time, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, and be strong.